Christianity is often mentioned in tandem with Judaism as one essentially is the preface to the other. However, there are key differences and understanding them will not only further your Christian walk, but show us the magnificence of God's plan for his people. I am to discuss this and to set the stage for future episodes in which we dive into explaining our own religion and studying others. I hope to dive into some of the weeds of Judaism to show its merits, certainly, but also to show the completed work of Jesus Christ and why God came down in the flesh in relation to Mosaic Law. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to The Whitaker Show. This is a show geared towards talking about the many key lessons and takeaways of Christianity with an eye towards apologetics. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everyone. I hope you are all doing fantabulous. Let me give you a small forward here. So, the West are those nations that share Western values derive their value systems from Judeo-Christian values. Keyword on the Judeo part. What does this mean? This simply means that we have values that stem from Old Testament or Tanakh values as well as New Testament values espoused by Jesus as written in the Gospels. This is important to understand because the nations associated with the West based their value systems, laws, and cultures upon biblical principles. Again, both Old Testament and New Testament principles. So, when we go through this episode, it's important to note that those key differences are going to be oriented towards the New Testament accounts. Ideally, the differences occur from the account of Jesus. So, William Lane Craig details all of this exhaustively, that if you're looking for evidence beyond historical, logical, or philosophical evidence, one need only look into the account of Jesus. I cannot espouse that enough. That is why there will also be an episode on the differences between between Christianity and Islam. You know, like beyond the episode already posted before this one, so that we can see that though there are semantic as well as deep differences in doctrine, from a Christian perspective, we must focus on the good news of Jesus Christ, that God came in human form to wipe away, to wipe away our sins and give us the Holy Spirit. So, building upon that, what is Judaism? So, for a quick primer on Judaism, simply read the Old Testament. Bam, you're done. Now, or, here is another quick primer for you. So, God created the world in six days, and then he rested on the seventh. Skip ahead some years, and God chooses Abraham and his children to become the special nation of Israel, given a special piece of land as an inheritance. Then, God's people then go through a 210-year stint through slavery. But, God rescues them and takes them to Mount Sinai, where he gives them a covenant and some new rules. I'm paraphrasing here, okay? So, for 40 years, the Israelites wandered and then come upon the Promised Land. A holy temple is built in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem, in which the people offer sacrifices to God. Then it gets destroyed by the Romans. After this, the Jewish people are scattered abroad in the world. There is no more Israel. Jews believe that they will be gathered to their homeland, and a rebuilt temple will surface, and there will be a peaceful, godly world when God comes back. For them. So let's give a small comparison. Um, let's do a little bit of comparing and contrasting. So Christians mirror the origins of Judaism in relation to being biblically accurate. The difference being that we believe God has already come down once and will come down again. That's a key thing. Christians, according to the New Testament, believe that we will be raptured or taken upon taken up 
into heaven. There is a whole heck of a lot more in that. And I'll be, I'll be sure to make a show about that, I promise. Then, the tribulations will occur on earth, meant to reconcile Israel to the Messiah. After the tribulations, a messianic kingdom, led by Jesus, of course, will reign on earth for a thousand years. After this, um, and Satan and his ilk are, are dealt with, Satan being locked up for a thousand years, and like his angels being cast into the lake of fire and such, there will be a judgment on the earth, and God will reign forevermore. Oh, I didn't mention this, but Israel will be given its land and will never be will never be moved from it. And this is all stated in the New Testament. It doesn't end there. Like there's more to to like the Revelation story, but I encourage you to read the New Testament and learn uh, more about all of this. Okay, that's something that you can do as far as homework. So, what are the sacred sacred? What are the sacred texts of Judaism? So, after that super in-depth like synopsis of Judaism. Let me tell you about their books. See, Judaism has the term Tanakh. The Tanakh is the sacred text of Judaism, and it contains the Torah, or the five books of Moses. So, the Tanakh, or Tanakh, is composed of the Nevim and the Ketuvim, or the prophets and writings, respectively. The Old Testament that Christians reference mirrors the 19 other books, um, other than the five books of the Torah the five books written by Moses. But we share that with the Jews. We don't call anything the Nevim or the Ketuvim, but it's pretty similar as far as the, the books that they give. Now, there are other texts too. So let's dive into those. There was an oral Torah as well. There, according to the Jews, were details and commandments given by God that were meant to be preserved only orally. So that they were passed down a generation to generation by way of mouth. Essentially, the sages of each generation expounded upon the Torah and fine-tuned its principles. These were eventually written down into what is called the Mishnah, Talmud, and Midrash. And I'm pretty sure that these things contain the reason behind wearing um, the yarmulke and like the reason behind the certain laws that, that Jews perform, um, which really explains why so many Jews enter into like legal studies is because they spend so much so much time studying um, extra canonical texts that are being expounded upon and studied upon every day. Like there's a, there's actually a special school to study the Torah, um, the Tanakh, and also to study things like the Mishnah and, and the Talmud. So again, fun fact: those sacred texts are still being expanded upon as we speak. So there are different types. Of Judaism though so I'll give you the like the mainstream forms of Judaism in list form so there is Orthodox Judaism right and then there is Reformed Judaism there is conservative conservative Judaism Reconstructionist Judaism and then humanistic Judaism so for for Orthodox Jews which includes Hasidic Jews they strictly follow the Jewish laws and rituals like Shabbat or the Sabbath. Like, there's a lot more rules than that, and then a lot more holidays. But Orthodox Jews are like Orthodox Catholics. They have a bunch of rules and like a bunch of stuff that they follow to be right with God and to live out their faith. Reformists are more liberal and focus on progressivism in Judaism to, you know, and then add in like your bunny ears, roll the times, essentially. So, Conservative Jews balance their strictness with allowing 
in moderate modernization. Reconstructionists believe that Judaism should change with the times and constantly evolve. Humanistic Jews celebrate Jewish culture and history, but do not have an emphasis on God. So let's continue this thought. Christians, on the other hand, only have the Bible as a sacred text. There's just one. Christians abjectly reject man-made expansions on the Word of God are any semi-canonical texts, deuterocanonical books, or second canon books written as in the case of practicing Orthodox Catholics as in like the apocryphal text. Why is this important? Well, it truly isn't, though I do plan on doing a show about Catholicism as well as about the apocryphal text. So, a critical difference in doctrine involves the, well, involvement of man in the, in the biblical process. Christianity is spirit-led, right? And while Hasidic Jews do engage in the mystical, it is not similar in their end goal, primary objective, and beliefs in what the mystical force is. I'll expand on this on another show. I promise I'm giving you guys tons of other shows that I'm going to do, but let me just go ahead and give you all of that foreshadowing. So let's list some more prime differences. So after my super tiny description of Judaism, what are the key differences? Well, the key difference is the coming of Jesus. As with Judaism and Islam, Christians differ in the belief of God in that God is a triune God. And as I described in a previous episode, and that part of the triune God is Jesus, who came down and died for our sins. Jewish scholars admit that Jesus lived and won. His name is Pinchas Lapid, or Pinchas Lapide. I have no idea how to say it. Was convinced that God of that the God of Israel raised Jesus from the dead. Like he was convinced of that himself. This is profound because Jews do not believe in bodily resurrection. However, uh, Mr. Pinchas Lapidier doesn't um, actually end up completing the circle when it comes to uh, like the belief in Jesus Christ himself and that he came down as God. He kind of misses that boat. Judaism involves Mosaic law and living by its tenets without the advent of God's grace. See, Christianity teaches about the redemptive powers of God's grace and being bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not that there was not grace during the Old Testament times. Um, it was just it was a lot different. Without Jesus, I would argue that we could never be right with God as very few people can be right with God via Mosaic law. It's extremely difficult, right? And that was kind of like what it took to become one with God is to um, to be right by God, is to offer these sacrifices and live in a certain way and all these other laws. I think there was like either 513 or 613 of them. There was a bunch. Um, but what is so great and not so great about making a show about the three Abrahamic faiths is that the the essential difference and the overriding difference between the three involves Jesus Christ as I keep saying yes I can go into each of their beliefs and rail against them or debunk them per se but that is anti-christian in nature I believe I truly believe that if you wish to debunk those other religions you do that in your own time as I do I believe the focus should always be when talking with others especially that one should be espousing Jesus this is God we're talking about here so, of course, it's of vital importance to the Christian. Christians do not have to rely on laws, rules, or millennia of like religious practice. There are merits in that. There is a merit to having a, a very 
open form of showing your worship of God. Like there is a merit to wanting to be holy with God, like to wanting to be reconciled to Him. I get it. That's a huge part of Catholicism. Involves the works of a, of a of a believer in God. But we have Jesus, right? Christians have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit and the redemptive power of Christ that should pull us to honor God as in the Old Testament, but to live in the newness it means to trust as well as believe in God um, and what he has told us in the Gospels. Now, there are many other, there are many like verses that can be used to justify Jesus, but one that I will focus on is Psalms 22, 14 through 18. So, let me read you this. I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are, are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Does this not sound like the crucifixion of Jesus Christ exactly? Please, do some research on what happens to the heart during that form of torture and look at the science behind it. It will blow your mind and also break your heart. Let me give you one other example um, from Isaiah 53.3-6. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. One of the key points here shows that people viewed him, Jesus that is, as afflicted, which is mirrored in the Gospels. Pharisees and Orthodox Jews said that Jesus had a demon or was ill which is shown in that verse. Let me end this entire show with a quote from GodQuestions.org, a source that I use quite often. The Apostle Paul, a Jew and a strict adherent of Judaism, encountered Jesus Christ in a vision, as in Acts 9, 1-9, and proceeded to become the greatest witness for Christ and the author of a large portion of the New Testament. In the article, they say almost half of the New Testaments. I've talked about that as well in previous episodes. We'll just say a large portion. Paul understood the difference between Christianity and Judaism more than anyone else. What was Paul's message? I am not ashamed, quote, of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, as he says in Romans 1.16. So, as a, synopsis, as a synopsis, hopefully you've learned a little bit about Judaism. And uh, while there's a vast amount of theology there, the key just just lies in their following of the Old Testament um, and their strict ad- adherence to Mosaic law and to additional laws and rules that are um, written in in the in the Mishnah as well as the Talmud and various other texts that are also sacred to them. And so, 
while that doesn't fully encapture the entirety of those religions, you know, like each religion that I mentioned, I'm, I'm not going to go through and list each one of their tenets. Um, I will do that for Christianity because that's the objective. But I encourage you to look up the differences because it's it's important to understand not your opposition, but ways of thinking. Like for instance, I'm a huge like proponent of learning different languages. Why? Because it essentially shows and proves to others your ability to think like a different culture. It's important as a Christian to understand Jewish culture, honestly, just because that was how this all started. I mean, God began with the Jews, but also because it's important to learn how to view aspects from different um, perspectives of different cultures. It makes you a more complete person. It makes you more understanding and it makes you more capable of talking with other people. It's hard to have perspective if you don't have experience, right? So again, I encourage you to go look up like Judaism, what they believe in and how they practice it, and then compare and contrast that with the life of a Christian. Now, the one thing that people tell me is that, you know, I didn't mention a whole bunch of um, different sects in like Judaism. You know, I mentioned like, like four or five or six. Whereas like Christianity has a whole bunch. You know, we've got like Catholicism, Presbyterians, Baptists. There are tons of different different like denominations. So I would definitely do an episode on the perceived hypocrisy in having denominations. But my key point here is that there's nothing wrong with having different sects of a religion, right? So I firmly believe in the validity of the gospel. So I will always follow exactly like what the word says. You know, like I'm not going to add to it. I'm not going to change the interpretation. Um, what's wonderful is that we have the Holy Spirit here at Christianity, which means that as we dive through these texts, it's incumbent on us to pray about this and to to really seek God's meaning in this kind of stuff. That's why I believe that the Bible was not composed by a council of Trent or a council of Nicaea, none of that kind of stuff. It's not created by man. First of all, the Bible is historically accurate and also it follows itself. One reason why Protestants don't follow the apocryphal text in the Old Testament is because they're not mentioned in the Gospels. So the one way that you can see the, histor the historical consistency of the Protestant Bible is that everything that's mentioned in both the Gospels and Old Testament is like corroborated by both books. Nothing extra, nothing more, nothing less. And also, it's important to note that as you're studying this stuff, your eyes should be on living a life toward Jesus Christ. Like, yes, I spent a lot of time talking about different religions and talking about different aspects, but the key here is to understand the love and the grace that is inherent in Christianity. See, when you call upon Jesus Christ and you believe in Jesus Christ and Christianity versus uh, Islam or Judaism, or like any other faith, you know, like Buddhism, like Taoism, all that kind of stuff, you're calling upon a redemptive power that will save you from yourself. That, that you've got a God here that came down from heaven, that came down from his mountain to be with you, to live with you, and to save you from your heart of sin. That's the key here. It's not a you climbing the stairs to Jesus. It's Jesus has already gone down the mountain and saved you, and now it's just up to you to choose him. And that would involve walking upstairs. But it's it's key, and it's important to note that it's a free will thing. It's not because you deserve it, but because he has gifted you that 
And your response, that's your faith, that's your works. Your response is, I will climb the stairs for you, God. I will live this way for you, God. I will sacrifice this for you, God, because you are perfect and you're holy and you've given me eternal life. You know, you give me all the goods. The least I could do is climb the stairs for you. So that would be the keystone. That would be the cornerstone of his message is Jesus Christ, as I mentioned in previous episodes, um, especially Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, is that we focus on that. Do not debate someone in religion on the weeds. Unless that person, like, you know, doesn't mind going through that kind of stuff, you should always be talking about Jesus Christ. That is the key difference. We can get lost in the weeds on historicity, on which came first, all that kind of stuff. What's important is the redemptive power of Jesus Christ, and I promise that's the last time that I'll mention that in the show. <laughs> so, um, one thing that is changing, first of all, thank you to all those who have donated and who have kept this show running. I really appreciate it. I hope to get new mics and new systems in place. I hope to, uh, once the show grows some more, to turn it into an LLC and then to begin having like a more formal approach to giving you out shows, but maybe add two shows a week. Who knows? But I do plan on moving this Wednesday show to Saturday. Um, the one reason being doing this in the middle of the week is kind of like troublesome and also it's nice to um, end the week on a message like this rather than you have this message at the end of the week um, I don't know y'all tell me though so if you don't or do like this please email me at the Whitaker show email at gmail.com and let me know about it or you can just go to my website and there's actually like a link on there that has like that has my email as well but just let me know what you think let me know what you want if, if like you want it back to Wednesday can totally do that but I need input from you guys and gals so thanks for tuning in again I appreciate all of you listening to the show if you have questions again shoot me the email but look y'all have a blessed day and Godspeed y'all